What makes a sequel? Is it a numbered entry into an already existing franchise? A reboot? A reinvention of a game? We don't really know, but we hope to come to some sort of logical conclusion and uh, talk about which games count as sequels and which games that are counting as sequels are quite good in episode 7 of the Bleeping Sickness podcast brought to you by me, Michael Dial, and my colleagues. Hello, I'm Tom. Hello, I'm Peter. This is weird. (laughs) What the fuck happened here? This is BBC Radio. This is Sheffield Hallam Sean. Shit, I'm (laughs) Don't swear. Uh, Yeah, I'm Sean. Oh, you ruined the the like lecture. We feeling. had a nice. It felt like a late night sort of radio thing. We're trying to. We're trying to. Hey, we're not there yet, guys. Yeah, we're trying to one go day we'll high brow. One day we'll get to the late night. I'm happy to talk like this through the rest of the episode. I don't see what the problem is. No, I neither. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have a quick catch up and uh, then get onto the main theme of the episode, which is video game sequels. But for now, Tom, what have you been playing this week? Thanks, Michael. You're very welcome, Tom. We can can't tell that anymore. Yeah, we Um, can can stop. (laughs) So, you might not have realised this is a video game podcast because you thought you were listening to a very uh, professional (laughs) American podcast. You're listening to the shipping podcast. (laughs) The shipping podcast. You're on Radio (laughs) 4. Bleeping sickness on Radio 4. 4. So, I've not um, played any video games these past couple of weeks on account of a moving house and all my consoles have been moved. (laughs) Cool, well thanks so, for listening to so, <laughs> But I have played a game. Everyone here together played a game that didn't involve any kind of console, just required our imaginations. Isn't that and a lot of dice and some note cards and pens and a rule book. Oh you mean when we played that uh, uh memorable Brothers game. game that I can't, it was real fun but I can't remember the name. It was of called it. Fiasco. Fiasco I remember. So Fiasco is a lot of fun. This is the second time I've played it. It's the first time I've played it in person. I think it's a really good entry level um, sort of tabletop RPG thing because it's all it's a one shot. You don't need a game master, dungeon master. Everyone just plays. It's mainly it's tropes and things people recognise. It's a high fantasy. It's a Coen Brothers style crime, slightly black comedy sort of thing where lots of people make bad decisions and they get worse and worse and hijinks and shoot yeah it's that it's Fargo it's Burn After Reading it's um, any number of things where people get big ideas and don't have any way of following through with it I think as Mike's about to find out if you want to find out what we actually got up to as far as plot wise goes Tom did recap it on I his did. Twitter Tom's so about to read out I think I, got, I, think I deleted all my tweets but I can tell you what happened off the all top right. of my head give, give us an well, shall we go, version of what happened do you want to go through and say who well there's more people played it than we're here but do you, does everyone want to say what characters they were playing in this, the setting was the American South Pete, I was remember it you just, were... I can't remember the name of my character, um, but he was running a, a peewee hockey league. Or at least he, he'd been hired. Running Pete. Yeah, yeah. coach. He yeah. was part of. Yeah. He, and he, he was. He seemed like he was putting him. a lot of his sort of... It was his only hope to basically make some money, because he's, you know, he's living out of a motel. Yeah. And then he finds out that his partner is running some sort of drugs ring out of the peewee hockey club. And who was that, Sean? I played Pete's partner. I was running... Uh, <laughs> I, I started off... As You'd previously been running a drug ring out of a funeral home. Yeah, I was running a drug ring out of a funeral home, uh, but that went badly because um, 
is it someone Mike Mike, Mike Lavery Mike uh, a, good, a good friend Mike he, he accidentally money. burnt all my drug money he accidentally cremated, cremated all my money. Yeah, so I, I moved to a peewee hockey league because actually I was only ever doing the drugs <laughs> thing so that I could become oh, yeah. a successful hockey manager so I moved to the, the, that there and then how did it end for us Pete uh, I after after a, a whole load of nonsense. I found out that what was going on, and I need I realized everything was crumbling apart, and I needed to make some of that money. So I took you at gunpoint to, to a drug deal, yeah, yeah, and got shot. In yeah, I place. shot, I shot, I shot Pete. Pete got iced. I basically I killed Pete. Well, well, I didn't kill Pete. I left uh, Pete bleeding in a parking lot. Yeah, because I was left on state lines I was taken to hospital as a John Doe with like unrecognisable features and managed to wipe off my debt so technically and then became the Joker but you, yes. did, you did wake up and see the peewee hockey finals in your hospital bed and shed a little tear yeah. that was a twist um, of irony it was a bit yeah. um, I got arrested for selling moonshine you did <laughs> after after, you, after many years comfortably selling a lot of drugs you got really knocked down a bit moonshine into business. moonshine and suddenly moonshine that was you done much harder to sell than class, heroin class A's out. you were fine with this yeah. is moonshine yeah, it went wrong we all got and a you, dose of poetic justice in the end well you yeah, had a very not a light hearted game so the point is you have all these relationships going on so you have stories that kind of interact and intersect in interesting ways so Mike you had a, your story it's slightly like, yeah. different. It had some crossover with these guys, but um, it crossed but ultimately over. everyone, every, every character had a different need, and these guys you know, like were you know I need, to, you make need money. to make money, you need to sell drugs, and you had a very more sort of base need. I feel my need your was character that I needed to hit it with that sweet thing, you which did. happened to be Mike's character. Yes, who was uh, the, the love of my life. Yeah, only I was a southern hick American that was closet. Gay, and you'd made a sex, you'd fashioned a sex dungeon in a motel room. So I, I think the motel the exact, I was staying in. As I well. forget yeah, the exact circumstances leading to it, but yes, uh, Mike, Mike's character, Mike, that's not here, his character, mm-hmm. not here to defend himself, was uh, was the Sean's person that uh, burnt all his drug money in a crematorium. I was secretly in love with him, so I tried to lure him into my sex dungeon in a motel, and ended up getting blackmailed by Pete. No, no, uh, blackmailed by the con man. Who by Abby. Was, yeah. By Abby. No, like, you, you were the one that blackmailed me. You blackmailed me. You to pay Abby. Yeah, who that, was a con man who, who was made me think my hockey yeah. team would be a home name. Abby happened, name. Abby happened to be the girlfriend of my daughter, who was a lesbian, who I'd cast out when I was young, when she was young, when I found out she was a lesbian because I was a closet mm-hmm. gay and ashamed of it. The money that you gave to Abby was used to bail me out, which yeah. I then gave back to you yeah. and created quite an interesting sort like, of circle of yeah. money. And it, yeah, I mean, we, we all sat down afterwards and said it actually came together like a Coen Brothers film. Well, that's the interesting you, thing is because we can have see that on the on the screen. We had all these com- event like describing now we had all these convoluted sort of events and things, but all we actually did at the start was we you picked some dice for some character traits and some relationships and stuff, and from there this whole like narrative bloomed from it mm. it was really good yeah it's a i yeah. think it's a real good system um it's a I lot of fun it, and i would recommend it how much how much is that book uh it's like 16 quid for the book but you can get a pdf for much cheaper and, oh, yeah. and there's loads of different play sets that people just bang up on the internet for free cool yeah to be fair even 16 quid there's three scenarios in there and then obviously mm-hmm. there's an insane amount of scenarios with yeah. the replayability yeah, of even of those three scenarios yeah, is yeah. Mad. like more or less infinite isn't it mm-hmm. yeah Cool. Good so yes, stuff. Fiasco what, is fantastic. That's what we all played. We did. Yeah. Pete. Well, I have been playing Game of Thrones. I think we ditched the... Uh, hey, no, I'm bringing it back. 
Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, the Telltale game. You've not been playing the actual Game of Thrones. Yes, I have. You played, I haven't died yet. You played Game of Thrones for the PS3 and Xbox 360? No, no, I'm playing the Telltale oh, right. game, good. which is good. a, a mark of quality. Right it's better than Game of Thrones for the Xbox 360. I mean, bear in mind, in episode one, in a conversation with one of the TV show characters, it's like one of the important bits, maybe. One of the bits where you make maybe think some of the real focus would be on uh, mm-hmm. some of the code actually came up in conversation. Oh, good. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah, so, so they were just there speaking yeah. of like face expression zero four. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened to me as well. Yeah. It wasn't an isolated glitch. I don't remember that happening to me but it's been a very long time since I played Game of Thrones Telltale. Stand, turn, gesture. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't actually say it but That's the beautiful. subtitles are all there and it's like, yeah. what? That's beautiful. Like, I've not been paying attention to the TV show but, you know, stuff's Change is, is it? They're all robots, man. It's, it's like oh Westworld. <laughs> They're crossing it over with Westworld. Wow, that was actually rumored at one point. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But I have. I'm a big fan of the books. Mm-hmm. I have opinions about the TV show, which I'm not going to go into right now. But we've the had we've had that conversation. I'm not willing to have that conversation. Um, I'm I really the game reminded me why I enjoyed the series, basically, because it was separate to it and it was interacting with it, but it wasn't revealing any of the stuff I'm aware of. And I really like the TV show's design. That's one of the things I'll say is really good about it. Um, I was speaking to Mike, who's with us, not the other Mike who played Fiasco, um, and we're talking about the different decisions we made and how our characters have changed. But I realised, like, you definitely get to... The whole thing is, like, you play the Game of Thrones, you win and you die. I got to episode six with one character and realised I completely fucked it. That's a Telltale game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, that's when the game is fucked and, like, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that's no, what they do. They get to the episode six yeah. and go, we've it, completely it, fucked this. I think it does in some ways, like, it, it does a much better job of not telegraphing exactly where you're going to end up. Like, right. other Telltale Decisions games I made in episode really one came back in six. Exactly, and I don't think there's many other Telltale okay. games that land that side of the so-and-so will remember this yeah. in quite the same way. Like, you, um, the it's the Sansa Rock, right? It's all the stuff at King's Landing. Mirror. The girl you're Mirror, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, She's basically... Sansa's in it, right? I don't want to know, by the way, because I'm still playing. But okay. I, I think I... But like, that, that I, arc's really good in a as way. As much as I told Mike, what it was is that I had put myself, got myself to such a corner, the only way to actually survive to the end of the game was to make a really shitty decision, which I did, yeah. and I fucked loads of people up by myself, and was like, well, what have I achieved here? Yeah, that's the Game of Thrones, Pete. Yeah, and I really, like, that... I decided I started playing it on a Friday night, and then I started playing it again Saturday morning. Think I'll finish an episode just like, and then get on with other stuff before lunch and things like that. Mm-hmm. I played it till about dinner. I completed the whole game in like basically two sittings, and I really enjoyed it. I, it's I'm real sure good. if they're doing season two, they are. They are yeah. They're working on it. Okay, I would I would play that. I would play it as well. I'd be interested to see how well it ties into the first season because it could tie over, but there's. So many variables. It's the same thing as the Batman one, which I'm interested to see where they go with Batman season two, because the Batman, like you pick it's how very, the ending of Batman is, but, like, in that very heavily would impact how our season two would begin, and the Game of Thrones is the same, right? Some people might be dead, and some people time, might not be. Uh, Walking Dead season two could end in three very, very different yeah, ways, and then, that's and then what season just, three is just kind of like, oh yeah, this happened between the seasons, it's yeah. all wrapped up, it's all the same. Okay. So it just wow. ties it up in the middle yeah. and starts. It just thing. sounds like, from what you're saying, it sounds like your decisions are very different to in Walking Dead. In Walking Dead, yeah. there's a suggestion that 
Oh, you've got to do things to survive, but there's no actual any is danger it? of your character not oh, surviving well, onwards. Like it's just you do kind of crap things to people. Whereas Game of Thrones sounds a lot more like in you are Dead. actually trying to survive. Uh, oh no, Game Walking of Thrones Dead, I think fully commits to the yeah. it's it's like it's subject yeah, like yeah. in a way that anyone can die. Yeah, no, yeah. like you can you can write main characters out of that game by making certain choices and stuff. I think yeah. Like Walking Dead, I would describe as like you play that and think, I like that character. I'm going to be friends with them. I'm going to help them out. There are some supplies there. I'm getting over with that person. I don't I like this guy. Supply. Yeah, this guy. I'm going to let a big block of rock salt fall on his head. Whereas Game of Thrones, I'd say, is basically every situation you walk into it thinking, I'm going to be smart, and you walk out <laughs> yeah. thinking, fuck, all yeah. my yeah, friends yeah. died. It's yeah. very, very true to the subject matter, yeah, in a way, that some term, of the right. Telltale stuff isn't, so yeah, I'm a huge yeah, fan yeah. of it. I'm, I'm, well, I played one episode and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's really good. I was I ended up being like, genuinely really impressed with it by the end. Telltale have become quite hit in this, and this yeah, is totally. a hit. It's definitely a hit. Yeah. Um, as someone, even as someone who hasn't read the books, I think most of the stuff involving characters in the TV show is pretty ropey. Like, it's hit and miss. Like, yeah. Their voice acting is just on a scale of bad to doesn't give a fuck. Their appearances can feel a bit forced. And like, Daenerys if they were in it, I liked Daenerys in it, actually. She gets really good. I think she's probably my favourite. Or Marjorie's voice acting is very good. probably the highlight of this. Yeah, that's probably true. But like, they put them in too much. It's probably my thing about like Daenerys could be in it once, and she's not. She's in it loads. Yeah, the same twice, goes. I think. Um, someone else is in it quite a lot. Cersei's as well. in quite Cersei's a bit. In, in, quite in quite a bit. Yeah, Ramsay's in a lot. Jon's in quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't need that. But yeah, I like the wall stuff actually. I think it's really good. That didn't land for me. Okay. King's Landing did though, and I think the reverse is true. Yeah, I didn't like the King's yeah. Landing stuff all. John, what have you been playing? I've been playing Pyre. Hey. The new game from Supergiant Games. They made Bastion, they made Transistor, and now they've made Pyre. Yes, last night you said you were going to send us a video. So yeah, we, we went to watch a very harrowing war movie, and I had to go to sleep when I got home, okay? <laughs> yeah, man, like, the Emoji yeah. movie takes it out. That film was Dunkirk, available in all good cinemas now. Probably not, actually, by the time this comes out on podcast. Yeah, that film was Dunkirk. No longer. <laughs> anyway, also Christopher Nolan does not need us to advertise for him. This isn't a movie podcast, but if it was, I would tell everyone to go and watch Dunkirk. Yeah, you should probably see Dunkirk. But you've anyway, seen Baby Driver first. It's, it's the best one ever made. Go on. Yes, I've been playing Pyre, uh, Supergiant's new game. Uh, I really like Bastion, and I really like Transistor. I've played about four hours of Pyre, which is probably about as long as Bastion is, and nearly <laughs> as long as Transistor is. Uh, Pyre is the best Supergiant game by a fucking mile. Pyre, it, like Nier Automata aside, Pyre is the best game I've played this year. The writing is incredible. The music is one of the best game scores, like scores of recent times. Better it has, than Zelda. I, I, I'm enjoying it more than Zelda. Yes. What a year it's been for video games. Yeah. Pyre is fantastic. It is execution of what it's going for is so good, it, and what and when what it's going for is so weird. It's a fantasy sport, isn't it? It's a fantasy. Sort of. It's a combination of a, a visual novel and a fantasy sports game. It's ba- like it's. Yeah, it's a visual novel and then like NBA Jam in space, mm-hmm. smashed into one. So it's like Barclay show up and jam, but with a budget. Based, considering that comparison <laughs> and the name, the, you get a commentator who says, "Oh my, he's on fire." You do there's, get a commentator, a commentator and he yeah. does shout about everything. Does yes. he say "boom shakalaka"? He does not. No, he say shakalaka." He might. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so it's a really good little like three on three sports game which has some really cool tactical depth to it um, I'm just starting to get to the point where the, the difficulty is ramping pretty heavily mm. so what, yeah. why is it called Pyre it's What's called what? Pyre because Pyre is the Pyre as in is the thing you put the ball into you have to put the orb into your other team's Pyre which is a fire yeah. oh my it's on fire 
It is on fire until you put the orb in it and then it goes out and then you win. Ah, that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Fire. There's a lot of ice and fire. The the game itself is quite hard to explain. It's a tactical three on three basketball game with mm-hmm. some cool magic stuff. Really, you have to get hands on to play. It. I would highly recommend anybody listening does. The rest of it is a it's a visual novel, but it's all conversations. So it's very Banner Saga, isn't it? It's very it's Banner Saga. Story-telling. It's, very, it's that style of visual novel as opposed okay. to like walls of text. Okay. It's very conversation heavy and they do a really smart thing where just any single word where you might not know who that is or what that mm. specific is, um, it just highlights and you can just put your cursor over it at any point and it will just give you one or two lines of exposition. Of hover text. And then what it does really, the thing it does really at the beginning is your character, you're playing a reader and the idea of the world is um, there's a place called the Commonwealth, which is where all the people who aren't criminals live and everybody who is a criminal gets cast into downside which is where you are and in this world being able to read and reading mm-hmm. is a crime so you are a reader and that means that you can read books which is good but also you can read the stars and then you have to compete a series of rights which are these sports games mm-hmm. um, and when you win the final right you get your freedom and you get to go back to the common back to the commonwealth okay that's the aim of the game you are collecting a band of misfits and you're playing together and then when you win you get to go to the Commonwealth. So the Commonwealth is full of people who shoot hoops. Yes. Sounds amazing. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, there's a considerably bit more to that. I've just reached the first, like, oh, shit point in the mm. um, in the game, which was a big, like, oh, this is actually what this is about That's moment. Cool. And also, yeah. like, massively changed the way I was... But both, both changed the way I was feeling about certain characters. It changed the way I felt about the world because it reveals what the, the world is really about. Mm-hmm. And it also, very interestingly changed the way I think about my team composition in a way that I'm not going to spoil but seriously made me go oh shit actually I need to start playing different people that's cool which is so you might maybe not get into sort of yeah like you have to be playing certain people for certain things to happen like everybody has to be getting a game and if you play certain people a lot then that might impact when you get to certain matches and I don't want to spoil it I like the sound of that like it makes you think about the sport level of it on that level which it wraps into the story really nicely Yeah. and then with the exposition stuff it's really smart as well because it doesn't give your character any exposition it doesn't even have exposition at the beginning so it's kind of like it just like, it assumes the character it, yeah. you know yeah. it assumes they know what's going on yeah. and then it gives you the player the exposition if you need it so the comparison there maybe be it's kind of like football manager, but you need to, you need to take the players' goals and aspirations and feelings into kind consideration. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I really like the sound. Of it it. I would play an emotional football manager. It is that kind of thing, though. Um, and it, it wraps the sport really well into it. There is a big book that you can just read, but most of you unlock pages as you go through. It gives you the backstory and the lore, which is really mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, but it is, it's also pretty quick with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all cool. bullet points of what happened. Oh, cool. But highly recommend Pyre. Fantastic. I can't wait to get stuck into it. Apparently, it's also like about 15 hours long. That's right. And there's a versus mode. There's a You can just play one on one. You need to have that. Local as well, which is cool. Not 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 online yet. They said they, at the moment, someone asked them about online and they just went, we don't have enough people to make the netcode good, so we're not doing online yet. Maybe we will if everybody wants it, which would be cool. But as it stands, Pyre, yeah, really, really properly great. And also, it's beautiful because it's a super giant game. And like I said, the score's amazing. It's this weird, like, meandering, very, a horse with no name style guitars as you're moving through the world and you don't control your you kind of control your, your car as you move through the world basically you pick your location and it's like a lot of meandering guitars but then every team that you come up against has their own like music Style. so like yeah, you meet these ghosts genres. yeah you meet these ghosts and it plays this really like like really heavy electro sound at you and then you meet these dogs and it's a proper full on guitars punk riffs guitar solo out of nowhere at you and it does that, that for each different team you meet which is really cool that's cool I like that yeah, yeah. fantastic 
Pi, usually recommended. I've mine's going to be really short this week because mm-hmm. I've not really got anything to add to what I've been playing other than what I talked about last week. I played a little bit of Game of Thrones, but Pete's already covered that, the Telltale game. Um, I've played a lot of Final Fantasy XII, which I'm still really, really enjoying. It's oh. it's growing on me in a, in a way that it never did when I played it ten years ago, and it almost makes me angry that I, I cast it aside so easily because it, it's so, so good. It's also worth noting you are playing, like, we talked about this in the remasters one, and like, but you are playing like a better, easier to play, more accessible version of the game. Yeah, I don't know how I'd be getting on with it if I couldn't if you fast just forward time. The old and also if everybody had the same license grid. And Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I'm glad that I've rediscovered it and I'm glad that I'm playing it through again. I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying the story, I'm really enjoying the gameplay. The combat system, I, I think I'll be happy to say it's the best Final Fantasy combat system yep. from all of them. Um it's definitely the most interesting. It's pushing. Um, it's pushing nine for me to be like my favorite Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get back to it after I finish Pyre. Common I saw, which I thought was quite highlighted what was good and also bad about the game. Mm. I was like, it was good that they decided they had an opportunity to try something new. It was bad because this has highlighted that that didn't hit, and now we've got. 13 and 15 and things 12 like that. almost ruined the franchise because the fans hated it, it well yeah it was a great game but it was so underappreciated it wasn't that they, it, what it you left, expect of Final Fantasy which is good and bad it left Square with no direction with where to go with the franchise so they, they started going out in this okay well, what if we did a really linear let's try and remake 7 and they sort of did 13 by trying to capture that sort of yeah. the character lightning as cloud yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I see the point and making and then, a big expansive series from one title imagine if they'd done 13 after 10 a lot of people probably would have really liked 13 after 10 yeah not as good as 10 but people would have been like yeah cool you made more of this good stuff don't like some of the characters do like other yeah. characters yeah. if they'd made 12 instead of 15 oh it would have been yeah game change what's well, around up i'm really excited to get back to final fantasy 12 so, uh, so fire knocked me off it and i'm still in wraith Wars tomb but once i get once yeah, I, get, I think after I get past that, I think I'll probably it's, get into it pretty hard. It's just been getting better and better, and, and I've reached a point with the story now. It, it's, the, the story's almost split up into four even quarters, and every time you get to a quarter, the end of a quarter, it's like oh, now's a good opportunity to go and do loads of hunts. And Wraith Walls is like that's the, the first quarter, basically. Yeah, yeah. and then I've, I've just reached the sort of I probably call it the third quarter, the end of the third quarter. So I'm about three quarters of the way through the game, as far as I, I can remember, and I'm just you know, back to doing hunts and doing like some of the higher level hunts and my characters are all pretty badass right now and it's all going really, really well. You unlock the second job stuff, yeah. 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 Nice. Cool. So video uh, games. Video games and some tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will well we will be taking a short break. Only <laughs> Mike gets a break. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep toiling. You, you guys keep working. In I'm going to go and have a break. Uh, now, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about sequels. <laughs> Welcome back to Bleep and Sickness, episode 7, the what? sequels edition. Are we not doing the, this the is Radio a, 4? This is a, no, we, oh, we give it up a long time ago. Uh, this is the sequel to episode 6, or is it a spin off? Or is it an iteration? Is it a, re- is it a remake? Of is it a remaster? No, this is a remaster of episode six. This is an expansion pack to episode six. <laughs> Hopefully, the sound quality will actually be better this time. It's sorry about that for anyone who listened to episode six. I don't know why it was really quiet. For you, one listener. Sorry about that. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what happened there. So let's start off by discussing what actually makes a sequel because we could talk, you know, everything nowadays is some sort of reiteration or re- mm-hmm. numbered sequel. Or, you know, originality is, is there very few new IPs actually come out nowadays. Shovel Knight's so. real good. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good game. It's original. Exactly, but there's not that much. Like in the rise of indies and stuff like Pyre and, and mm-hmm. you know, indie companies doing loads of different things is great and it's great for the business, but the, the big money is in. You know, a new Call of Duty every year, a new Assassin's Creed all the, the time. The annual franchise. The annual franchises, yeah. and they're mo- they seem to be moving away from sequels, uh, per se. Uh, excuse me while I step into Pete's shoes. <laughs> this year's Assassin's Creed is a prequel. Well, it's it, it's almost a reboot, I would call it. Stuff like that, I, I don't really think we should be talking about. I don't mm-hmm. think we should be talking about the Grand Theft Auto games, even though they're numbered, because they're all individual iterations. They're not direct DK sequels. Mm-hmm. Not a sequel. Oh, In universe. Um, right, they're all in universe together. The, yeah, the shared universe is another buzz yeah. phrase that is passed around a lot We're just nowadays. We're tearing us apart. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've all got an idea of. of yeah. For me, I um, I'm going to be sort of talking about sequels in terms of games that built upon the original and mm-hmm. kept the continuity and kept the the same story, but were just vastly superior to the originals. And I'll kick it off with Portal Two. Mm-hmm. which took everything about Portal 1 and made it into a, a perfect sequel. It took the, the puzzles and built on them. It gave it a much more narrative, but it kept it like in-universe and it you know built on the first game and it even carried some story elements over from the first game. You know, what happened to GLaDOS at the end of Portal 1. Valve make great sequels if they only ever make one sequel, but they do make great sequels you know Left 4 Dead 2 and Half-Life 2 are also examples of games that built on the original and you, made them better at this point do you want maybe my great gaming shame I've never beaten Portal what or Portal 2 Ooh, I got I've, bored of Portal 2 do you want to know what else I've only watched LPs of them I don't even I don't even know how Portal 2 ends I don't know what a video game is um well it, it, Portal 2 is <laughs> a real good story like it, yeah. it tells a, a complete story from start to finish and it's got some really like Stephen Merchant is fantastic in it if, and if Portal 2 and Logan have taught us anything <laughs> it's a really good sequel Merchant you guys Stephen Merchant <laughs> yeah. and a re- reboots as well Stephen Merchant rebooted the Crystal Maze and it was great I actually didn't watch it <laughs> uh, yeah and the office season 2 was great that reboot <laughs> <laughs> what else is Stephen Merchant in um, he's in quite he's a lot. Hot Fuzz, that's not a sequel. He's in though. Hello Ladies, it's a HBO is, series. Hot Fuzz is in universe, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are they sequels? Is there a hot Fuzz Time Axis? <laughs> oh god. Well, uh, yeah, Portal Two is yeah, is great for all those reasons I described. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the in the same vein, I would also like to point uh, people towards Midnight Club Two, mm. which is a perfect sequel. Because Midnight Club 1 was great and I loved the concept of it and PS2 era had that sort of freedom driving around, street racing was great but Midnight Club 2 was just something else. Really, yeah, really, really good. good game. And I think the one that everyone's going to agree with me on, Burnout 3. No. Burnout <laughs> Wait, 3 no, no, was no. incredible. It peaks at 2. Is that a joke? It, that's a hill I will die on. Please feel yeah, free. It's, it is, a, it <laughs> is a hill you will actually die on. Pete. Burnout 3 is the, the best racing game ever made. Fact. That's oh, actually, true. I don't back that. In retrospect, the best racing game ever made is Burnout Paradise. Sega All-Stars Racing. In fact, the more and more I think about it... What about Mario Kart? Kart? No. Eight. It's Burnout Paradise, which is oh, arguably one of the best games of the last generation. Mm, okay. But it's not as good as Burnout 3. It is. So, my opinion on Burnout, 
2 and then compared to 3. Burnout 2 is good, don't get me wrong, it's better than Burnout 1. But Burnout 3 mm. took things to an Burnout entirely different level. Revenge is really good as well. It's Everyone, well, lay your cases like, out. So, Pete, in why Burnout, do you think it's a super, Burnout 2 is superior? So, one thing I really, really like is the music mm-hmm. in Burnout, in that when you were boosting, the music would remix. Mm, that was cool. And that was mm. really cool. And also it felt a lot harsher on if you crashed or not. And like that added a lot of tension and excitement to going down the opposite way, down a motorway, and then sort of boosting as soon as you can to get the remix music in there. I'm not finished yet, sure. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to add to that. Um, okay, go on. I think they, they went back to that with Revenge and they made running down the other side of it more rewarding and way more dangerous in Revenge. Okay. I, I, in, a way that, I, in a way that was really nice. I was burned so much on three that I didn't touch a series after um, that because so yeah, I, oh yeah I mean I wouldn't recommend going and playing Revenge if you didn't like three because it is largely more of the same because three as soon as you get onto the title screen I started thinking what's going on here because they added their own DJ Striker for Crash yeah, FM which seems great. to be it great. made me think like he's talking about all these people who are like going around crashing their cars it made me think of the film Crash and I thought that's really weird you can't hold that against the game. That's one That's thing. your if, weird if mind. Crash is the thing you just jump to. Which crash? The um. You made him really think about racism. The Cronenberg, yeah, the, the racist one, or the, like people the fuck who one. Dr- yeah. <laughs> the fucking one. The one yeah, where people crash cars one. and jerk off over it. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly now, came out watching that film and just like cutting all the these where people are driving around and having a radio on the striker and crash. Yeah. Yeah. It would work. And you are a troubled man. But anyway, the point what I'm moving towards is the DJ and licensed music which no longer remixes when you're boosting so you just there's no added excitement of like oh yeah okay like I'm getting into the zone here because all this this music suddenly like so much more amped up mm. you just got the same was it Foo Fighters and people like that in it and uh, it's I can't remember it's like Sugarcool and yeah. um, oh there's so many so great much. tracks on Burnout yeah. 3 anyway right. um, but, but I'm not finished yet no, because it also <laughs> wasn't quite as harsh so on the crashes and I remember going the other way down the motorway and then mm. sort of getting nudged a little bit and going head on into a car like direct head on I was in the the in car view so I saw the headlights both sides like going both sides the, I was going to crash head on a bit <laughs> and then I just like slipped along the side of it and then I was just carrying on and it was absolutely fine it I just did. felt buttery is the best way everything was smooth and slipped around and it wasn't holding one or two maybe minor performance issues because it's a racing game where you move very fast and came out on the PS2. wasn't in the second game mm. therefore your, your rebuttal like. my rebuttal yeah is two words long <laughs> and it is crash mode which is one of the greatest side modes to a game well, I like the main I like the meat of the yeah, the, I think not crushing. one thing we can all agree on is the Burnout games yeah. are missed and could use a remaster yeah, if we're going so. yeah. yeah, to Yeah, I think that's probably the way of doing it is to just I put wish Burnout it's... Paradise on the new consoles with good net code that makes it everybody easy to play. Stop but messing about with golf. I've got to admit, like, out again. not always going for like the main thing and enjoying side mode is good because I was a big fan of Monkey Target on Super Monkey Ball, which is a much more exciting mode than the main mode. Tom. S- sequels before Pete's oh he just moved on from Burnout Monkey Ball 2 was a great sequel <laughs> Burnout 3 is a great show it's a, in my opinion it's a really really good yeah. sequel that iterates really well on the game before it yeah I would take the exact same comment but say Burnout 2 beforehand okay. I think it's a good sequel as well so I'm a fan because as we say 
um, sequels in games often mean iteration on what's come before, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, in other forms, it's often a sequel is carrying on a story. Majora's Mask does both of those things in that it uses the same engine as Ocarina of Time, it adds new gameplay elements, and also it continues the story. And it continues the story by going, look at you, the hero of time, aren't you great? No, you're not, you're a little wooden boy now, and it sucks. It takes all that power that you end the first game with and just strips it all away, and it's genuinely nightmarish in a way that mainly works because you've played Ocarina of Time. It's the only you've that character of time yeah. to being a powerless. You've been playing that. You've played that character all these hours, and you see him be like completely puppies. In, yeah. in a way, there's a major problem for a lot of sequels where you play the same character, especially mm. sequels where you're like leveling. Up, you know, first game, you're leveling up and gaining abilities. Yeah, they always need to find a way for you to be like, oh, you, you need to keep leveling up. Yeah, yeah. In the new game, so you we, two we both strip talked about all your that characters off you. Destiny. You talked about it. Yeah, and you guys talked about with Destiny too, Lars. Majora's Mask is one of the best examples of actually making that work in story I think it does that very well I think it um, completely it's a completely different not completely different but the design of the game is different different. the tone's very different instead of having what's not actually that huge a world but it seems like a huge world is vastly limited to you trying to figure out how to get all these spinning plates to work properly in a fairly small setting I think it does well at being very recognisable whilst and building on the previous game whilst being a clearly defined thing in itself Mm-hmm. I think you'd struggle to find anyone that disagrees that Majora's Mask is a great sequel to yeah. a great game. Yeah, I loved it. I like it. It's, good. it's not as good as Ocarina of Time, though. We're not having that fight. <laughs> it's an episode into itself. We can stop um, having the Zelda fight now because Breath it. of the Wild is well, the best Zelda fight. game and we can yeah, agree on that. Okay. Yeah, um, sure. So, yes, that is what I would put forward as a good example of a sequel. I would like to present, and I realise I might be talking to like an empty room here, but Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Because everyone likes fighting games. Um, quest to bring fighting games to the mainstream. They're relevant guys. Yes. Okay, well I've played I'll be the I'll be the layman you explain things to. I've played Street Fighter 2 a lot. Okay. Surely Street what, Fighter 2 is the, well, the no best sequel. No one's played Street Fighter 1 though, have they? Or Fighting Street, as it's known in some is it? Yeah, Just swap it around. Okay, so as, as some, I feel, we've all played Street Fighter Two, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell, explain like the leap between the two. So important thing to remember with Street Fighter is that the actual mechanics vary wildly mm-hmm. with every game, and then that changes the tone a lot as well. So the big thing in Street Fighter Three was parrying, mm-hmm. which is where you tap forward. Mm-hmm. At the absolute, like, the moment you would get hit, and you will negate all damage mm-hmm. and have like they call it frame advantage, but like the character will finish their animation who has been parried, and you can punish them. Okay, basically, with the gamble being that you could get hurt if you don't time it right instead yes. of just blocking. But also, there's a thing like when someone does a special move on you, you will take chip damage, which would be mm-hmm. like a tiny little pixel of health goes. So if you're right at the very yeah, last bit of health. A, a, a parry is a yeah. high risk, high yeah. reward okay. solution. Yeah, yeah, but also will negate any chip damage. You can get KO'd on chip damage. So what? What was Street Fighter Three on? Uh, that was on arcade, Dreamcast, PS2, Xbox okay. One, and then digitally. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, and it was interesting. The parrying thing made it much more offensive because they mm. replaced parrying in Street Fighter Four. Oh, it was really rude. I didn't, I didn't with enjoy it at all. Focus which is where you held two buttons at once and you could absorb an attack mm-hmm. and then once you've taken that damage you mm-hmm. can then deal damage and you would affect like that health that you took 
that you focused, you would gradually recover. Mm. So you had to keep the pressure on after you focus damage, but you would basically wait for someone to present that ideal situation yeah. to focus damage it. So it made it much more defensive. Uh-huh. So they act, they felt wildly different. Mm. So that's one of the things I really like about uh, Street Fighter Three. I think there's also on if like if you look on YouTube, Evo Moment Thirty Seven, I think, where one guy parries someone's super move like sixteen hits perfectly. And then goes into a super move and wins a tournament. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. But the other thing about Street Fighter 3 that I really like is talking about plot in fighting games. Oh, good. In that the timeline of Street Fighter goes all over the place and that it plays one alpha series, two, four, five, three. Oh, so three is currently the. Yeah, so five, the story mode in mm. five, which is really good, is leading up to the beginning parts of three, so it's still like the most, like, where did they go after that? Yeah. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. Like, wow. But also, no one really played three compared to four and five, right, okay. so yeah. why would they then hop over that yeah. and to the people who are new to it, like, they're not going to yeah. know what's going on. And people play fighting games with the plot, right? The Daigo parry. Yes. Called, uh, it, even as someone who has no idea what how fighting games work are, you could watch it and go, "That was so good." Yeah. So really, it was like one little gameplay tweak, but it completely. Yeah, the system of... in three and the story in three makes that like the high point for Street Fighter. Mm. Cool, mate. That's yeah. Well, I'm going to mess with it and not have one that has a number after it or is a direct sequel not even a two not even a two and I'm going to say one of my favourite sequels I'm not going to say The Witcher 3 or Uncharted 4 because I feel like I've talked about them enough but they're yeah, both sure. very good sequels talk about The Witcher mm. I can't really talk about The Witcher in terms of a sequel because I haven't played The Witcher 2 if you're going to say what I think you're going to say you can't I'm going say to say it. this it's not a sequel it's say definitely it. a sequel it's not say it's it. very definitely a sequel Explain as how the only person at the table that has played it what it's is definitely it? a sequel and it is The Last Guardian. Okay. The sequel to Shadow of the Colossus. The sequel to Shadow of the Colossus and Ico. It's not a sequel. It is very definitely a sequel. Like Team Ico make standalone games. No. No, they That's don't. Definitely Shadow not of the Colossus is a direct sequel to it's Ico. Prequel. prequel to Ico? Yeah. They are, they are those two games. It's in the same universe, absolutely. Those two games are heavily connected thematically. And The Last Guardian is as well. And narratively. Well. And narratively, yeah. And The Last Guardian, less so narratively, but very definitely um, thematically, very definitely in its approach. Aesthetically. Aesthetically, and in the way it just plays. It plays like those other two games. It is the definition, perhaps, of a spiritual sequel, should we mm. say. Okay. But are you now going to try and argue that it's better than Shadow of the Colossus? I would rather replay The Last Guardian. Shadow I of think Colossus has aged quite badly as well. I would say that so. I will. I will. I will happily um, open this by saying that maybe uh, The Last Guardian came out at a time that just it just worked for me. Mm. Like it came out was it December last year? We were working fifty hours a week. And I just needed something to crash out with and just go through in the evenings to not think about it in a heavy way. Mm. And it's it's really good and I genuinely, like, seriously, seriously underrated as as a game. Uh, I know it took years and years to come out, and if you play it, yes, it doesn't really look like a PS4 game should. It, it heavily looks like a PS3 game, especially in, like, the scenery. But it's still phenomenally good-looking. It plays incredibly. It can be a little frustrating at times, but for the most part, it manages to make that frustration work in the way the game works. Mm. And when it is at its like 
epic best. The last hour is comfortably more like ridiculous and grand and engaging than any moment in either of the other two games. Um, and it does the thing that those two those other games do is like they do they tell tiny stories, mm. one person, two people on a phenomenally grand scale. They make it seem like everything in that world is the story of that one or two people and it yeah. does that it, like yeah and also Trico is just a technical model like he's to like fall in love with a dog that doesn't do anything like he just makes weird noises and pisses you off but he feels so much more like a, like a character you can engage with and connect to than like a living many a living like thing order. yeah he play, performs <laughs> he, yeah, he plays like a living thing like yeah. he it's like having a living thing and also like I said the ending is, is incredible um, it's, I think it's a huge underrated thing and it was like there's a lot of games, obviously. There's a fairly lengthy list of video games that people joke about how long they came out. Mm. How long it's they taken the thing. Last Guardian has been on that list for a very long time, but I, they landed it really, really, really. But I also didn't see as big of a fanfare as you might expect, considering how long that took. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and perhaps, I don't know if that's the case, it's just that it's a mark in its favour that despite how long it took, it feels remarkably like solid as a unit mm-hmm. um, as opposed to it will, I'm going to put it directly up against Final Fantasy 15 because they both took roughly about the same amount of time yeah, and they both yeah. came out around the same kind of time right yeah. okay I'm not going to talk about why I don't like Final Fantasy 15 because we've definitely covered that yeah. I'll be bringing it back when Tom raises up <laughs> okay sure be. <laughs> anyway the point is that like we will all agree wherever we stand on Final Fantasy 15 that it is a mess and it, it, the plot is an incoherent mess I would and say... it should be better and it's clearly impacted on by having 10 years of various people working on it that damages it despite yeah. the fact that pretty much every t- team as far as I can say I mean, it's a you know Fatima Ueda is obviously was director of it and they have the head guys with, I'm assuming the same throughout all the 10 years while they were working on The Last Guardian various other teams have supported it every region team has supported the, the development of The Last Guardian despite that you've watched the credits at the end of it that everybody who's everybody who's a first party developer at Sony has worked on that game mm. at some point I'm sure wow. and despite that it comes together as a whole I think that's the argument for it being a sort of sequel isn't it it's got a clarity of vision that's consistent through all three of those games yeah, that they totally. seem like they could be part Des- of a series even if they're not numbered as a series despite the fact outside of playing the remaster that they put out on the PS3 of Icon and Shadow of the Colossus and like messing around with those games and stuff it had been you know 10 years since I sat down and beat one of those games in two weeks which is what I did with The Last Guardian it felt like it had been six months. It felt like it was just like, oh, they put another one of these out. You roll and I just rolled one. straight into yeah. it. Despite the fact I hadn't touched one of those, I went, picked it up and went, yeah, I get how these games work. Yeah. And granted, I will happily agree with anybody that says the mechanics can get very mm. frustrating at some times. And yes, the camera is utter trash. I think that goes for all of that series. Yeah, which is also it's weird that course. they didn't fix any of that stuff. And yeah, it would have been cool if they had. But it is a genuinely fantastic game and a great mm. sequel and a great finale to them their things whether or not it wraps the story in the universe up it, it definitely doesn't do that because mm. it is really small scale compared to especially Shadow of the Colossus but it wraps up those games with what they were going for mm-hmm. and their, with their aesthetic approach and their gameplay approach and all that kind of stuff yeah mm, I cool. love The Last Guardian fair enough so what makes a bad sequel have we not got right. good sequels to talk about we can go around again I have one more I really want to talk about. I was going to talk about Resident Evil 4 as a game reinvented the franchise. It, Mm -hmm. you know, Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 are a cohesive type of game, and 
with four, what they managed to do is completely reboot the, the series for a new era. They and also bring did the guy incredibly who well. made the series. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they bring back. There's a number of recurring characters in it. No, and it's like thematically Cammy, connected. Oh, you mean the, the yeah, yeah. director? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He came back to it, and um, you know, it shows because it's mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They threw out all the survival horror stuff. And then they started again, 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 and finally made Resident Evil 4. Yeah, <laughs> so like got, five different versions of that game before they got to and the got released Devil May one. Cry out of that. You did get Devil May Cry out of it as well, yeah, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. A game with good sequels. Mm, yeah. Maybe one good sequel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one bad sequel. <laughs> 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 DLC 2 is alright. Maybe we talk about that. Devil May Cry 2 is yeah. bad. Um, no, yeah. not to be joking. Like, Devil May Cry 2 is bad. I like Devil May Cry 2. Yeah, you would. It is bad, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> Silent Hill 2 is another one, one of my favourite yes. games of all time, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also a perfect sequel. But then, you know, is it a sequel? That's another one where you've got the sequel iteration thing, haven't they you? They sort of loop, and they're yeah. thematically connected. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess. That's a sequel. If, 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 I, if, if the Last I, Guardian is. If I can yeah. call Silent Hill 2 a sequel, then yeah, you can call Last Guardian a sequel. Sean, what? Uh, I want to talk about Titanfall 2. Okay, yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it's a sequel. sequel. Uh, I played a bit of Titanfall 1. It's a very cool multiplayer online shooter. You get mechs. It's good. Uh, the major flaw of it was that it had no plot and there wasn't very much to it mm-hmm. so for Titanfall 2 they said they were going to do a plot and they did and it's one of the best first person shooter campaigns in fact of all the ones I have played and actually for whatever reason I have played a lot of them of all the big <laughs> big, big franchise first person shooter campaigns I would say it's comfortably the best first person shooter campaign since Modern Warfare 2 but it does it in um, an interesting way I mean, the list is probably actually of good ones is probably not actually that long Modern, Modern Warfare one or two, the better campaign. One. One. Yes, I agree. But I don't think, I think two is still better than Titanfall, so that's how that works. Okay. Modern Warfare 2 is a great game. Yeah, it is, yeah. Anyway, um, they did it in a really cool way because they, rather than just going, hey, look, we put a campaign in this, so now you can shoot AI robots with your big robot or with not your big robot, mm. they made a six or seven hour long, absolutely mad campaign that riffs as much on Half-Life and Portal mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Portal in it yeah there's a lot of Portal in it um, Half-Life and Portal and games like that as it does on Modern Warfare I mean it helps that Titanfall 2 in Titanfall 1 from what I played very briefly of it was a very good very tight shooter Titanfall 2 obviously iterates and all that and do a lot of very smart stuff on the like technical game development side of it mm-hmm. where the game will do literally anything including drop the drop the resolution mm-hmm. significantly to keep the frame rate at 60 while you're doing mad stuff, so you can swing around a building and everything will get a bit blurry, but it doesn't stutter. Mm-hmm. And it does that on the multiplayer as well, which is really, really impressive. That's smart. Um, so very, my one example of this is there's a level in Titanfall 2, which opens with, there's a dead man half hanging out of the ceiling and you can't see his top thing. He's got something on his wrist. And you press square and you take it off it. And then the game flashes up, pre- press L1 to time travel. So you press L1 to time travel. And mm-hmm. you instantly blink into the past. Mm-hmm. And then you press it again. and you this blink is Titanfall. Titanfall yeah. Titan 2. Yeah. Right? right. You, inst- you yeah. instantly blink. So the- and then the entire level is set around... So in the in the future, which is where the entire game is set, the area you're in, this like research lab, is full of weird aliens. Right? And in the past, it's full of security guards because the past is when the uh, lab was alive. And also in the past, there are like laser gates mm-hmm. that you can't get through. And in the future, everything's on fire, so you can't walk in certain areas. And then there's loads of, like, because the whole thing for Titanfall is wall running, right? There's loads of, like, puzzles where there'd be, like, a laser gate and then fire, and you have to, like, time your blinks between time to bounce off the walls in the right time. 
and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's genuinely incredible. It's great. It, the whole it, there's a willingness to introduce mechanics and then completely abandon them there's after a, an after an area of using them that's really cool. There's an absolutely fantastic article. There's an absolutely fantastic article on Waypoint about how they developed that where they literally had a level they built their level out and then they built and they stacked the levels so you're technically blinking between two layers almost the Sonic 2 had a thing like yeah, that it, really it's, cool. it's very cool yeah. it's similar to the Rift stuff in Sonic 2 mm-hmm. so, but so in this means you can use it in the combat because there were like there's like two there's a big open combat arena and in the past it's full of security guards and in the future it's full of aliens so you'll run at a security guard blink into the future stab an alien and then blink back into the past and you'll be behind that security guard and stab him again and like you have, you can do that to take all of the enemies out in both timelines before you can move on. I would highly recommend everybody playing the Titanfall Two campaign, even if you have no interest in the online, which is fantastic. But mm. like the Titanfall Two campaign is worth the money on its own right. And like yeah. for them to go, it's a really good, really good example of a sequel in a way that developers listen to somebody because mm-hmm. they went, we understand that we need a campaign, but we're not just going to hash some campaign into this yeah, yeah. that works with the mechanics we have for the multiplayer. A lot of games do that in ways where they go. Okay, we'll put a campaign in, and it's basically going to be a seven-hour-long tutorial for the multiplayer. Star it's not Wars that they went out. Star Wars Battlefront, but it doesn't have a campaign at all. True, mm, sure. um, but like plenty of the Call of Duty games have run that way, and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Say, Battlefield, especially, and like yeah. for them to go, no, we're going to go out. We're going to write an interesting one. We're going to make it fun and use mm-hmm. loads of weird mechanics that don't actually turn up in the multiplayer in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really impressive. It's yeah. really great, and it's really like goofy and action movie, and all mm-hmm. the characters you come up against are really ridiculous caricatures and stuff. It's fantastic. Cool. Anyone else want to talk about sequels? Good that sequels. Not mentioned it. Assassin's Creed 2 is a good sequel, but I don't want to have a conversation sequels. about it. Any sequels? Yeah, just because uh, I would be interested in talking about uh, Ridge Racer Type 4 on the PlayStation. Ridge one. Racer yeah. Type 4. I don't, honestly, it's been so long that I don't recall which one Type 4 is. But I'm pretty it, it was the three last. 3 and 4 on the PS1. You had Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer Revolutions, yeah. Rage Racer, Ridge Racer Type 4. Okay. Then Ridge Racer V. Ridge Racer Type 4 the last four one on PlayStation the PlayStation, one, yeah. yeah. I probably played 4 in Revolutions, maybe. Why what? is it such a good sequel? Pete? What I liked about it was something that won off in the entire series mm. is that it had a career mode, which was essentially like a visual novel thing. Oh, did it? In that you could actually make decisions on which team you wanted to join. I, know, I remember this, yeah. And then your upgrade, the cars that you got throughout as you progressed through the championship would change depending on your performance within the races. Yeah, right. Which I thought was really quite clever. That's quite a development from just being in pure arcade. Yeah, like they've had like, I think Rage Racer had a career mode where you just got money and upgraded your car and went to higher class car. Mm. The Dirt games do that now and the Formula One games as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Tyco like racing. Tyco racing? Yeah, but what I liked about Type 4 was that it actually like, oh, you could join one of four different teams each mm. who had different characters mm-hmm. and they had their own motivations for being in the tournament yes. and you'd get different cars depending on each team and then you could play through multiple mm. times to get different cars again depending on how well your performance was mm. I think each like bracket had three different cars you could start with for each team which was just really clever I've not seen anything like that in Ridge Racer and I really wish they'd go back to it because that series is now just a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah. I miss Ridge mm-hmm. Racer. And the last one was the Vita one, which was basically mostly DLC. Yeah. I think you got like three sure. cars and three tracks, and then the rest of it you had to buy. Kind of peaked at time for it. Yeah, yeah. It's the last time they tried to Ridge Racers on the PSP was amazing because it had everything. 
Uh-huh. And then the Vita one comes out and you have to buy everything separately. Yeah. Which is just a bad Gross. way to... So there's an example of a bad sequel as well. <laughs> to tie us into our next small segment. Bad sequels. Bad, bad sequels. sequels. What's a bad sequel? Is it a game that kind of just casts off what works about the original and, and just ditches it? Is it a mm. game that is to- so similar to the original that it doesn't even feel like a sequel? I would like to flash back to something we talked about episodes and episodes ago and I'm going to say something which I think is a bad sequel despite my feelings on it as a game in its own right. Is it Sonic Adventure 2? It's not Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. That's a bad sequel That's a bad because it's level. a bad game. doesn't matter what it relevant how it works as a sequel. But they got rid of the fishing segment, so... I'm not sure... And I think people agree with me on this. Mm. I'm not sure Near Automata is a very good sequel. To Near. To Near. Mm. I agree, because it's a great game, but it's not Near. I adore yeah. Near Automata. Genuinely one of my favourite games ever, I think. However, when Pete played it, and you really didn't enjoy it, because it doesn't go very heavy on the characters, and it does. It gets heavier later on, but I appreciate that's an awful it's, lot gonna, of work to get it's that. It's one I'm going to go back to, because it was also being developed by Platinum I wanted a Platinum combat yeah, engine yeah. and the second playthrough simplifies the combat further still and that just I, frustrated it, it him it made me want to play something else yeah, it's I, not what you want yeah, and, and in complete reverse I adore Nier Automata and then I've, ta- I've had Pete tell me why he really likes Nier mm-hmm. and as much as like I would probably find the time to play Nier because I'm curious where Automata 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 whatever we're calling it came Let's from call the whole thing off yeah. came from <laughs> That game doesn't sound anything like this one, and it feels. Yeah. I, if I was a, a really diehard fan of Nier, and I know that people who like Nier really fucking yeah, yeah. like Nier, I would I, I would still have enjoyed it, but like I may have been a bit let down at first. Because like this is kind of the it, actually it's a ridiculous high level mad philosophy stuff, and it goes way heavier on that. It mm-hmm. kind of flips the focus, right? So like Nier has really great characters and some overarching. Philosophy. They are unaware of the main. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. whereas Nier Automata. Automata, or automata, whatever we're calling it. Automato. Automato is, is the opposite, right? It's all huge grand philosophy and you just play as these characters who are, I think, really good characters. Yeah. And it's so yeah, I could see why you would feel they were lacking if the first game was a really heavy character piece. Isn't Neo more fantasy and Neo Automata more... Yeah, they, I mean, because oh, yeah, yeah. I know that I know. I mean, in terms of presentation, yeah, like, yeah, 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 you get more of a fancy vibe of the original. The second one is like the robots, way, spaceships. It's the way near thousand years later in that yeah. universe. To yeah, be yeah. fair, I well, mean, no, I know which I'm saying, but that's another example yeah. of how Nia starts modern day, and then suddenly you're in a fantasy land, and yeah, it doesn't yeah. to make sense, and then becomes apparent what's yeah. going on, and then Automata takes place. It makes sense to have like robots and shit. Oh yeah, I don't say it makes sense. Saying that shows like, how starkly different I, they are and why it might be something if you've brought expectations of I, I liked this fancy RPG thing. Neil, what's the sequel like? Yeah. Oh, but gameplay, but aesthetics, everything's completely that's, different. That's my core point. Is why I'm not sure it's a wonderful sequel because I think yeah. it does actually. Based on my understanding, is that it does address a lot of cool stuff from Neil and has a load of really interesting answers for how all that stuff panned out. Amazing stuff, but. Yeah. As a pick up and play thing on a mm. base level, rather than thinking about it over the, the terms of all of it, yeah, yeah. Um, I would possibly see someone's point if they played five hours of it and were like, "This isn't what the first game yeah. was." By that token, would you say the Super Mario Brothers two that we got over here is a bad sequel? Because that is because that is literally a different game. Yeah, with Mario Bros. Right. Yeah. By that measure, would that make that a bad sequel? Because that Doki is Doki Doki Land, Doki Doki Land yeah, yeah, with 
Mario Bros. I spent at least five years. It's about, a game about picking vegetables out of the it's ground. It's not Mario at I, all. I, I, sp- I spent at least five years of my life thinking that thing that it was actually Ducky Ducky Land was internet conspiracy. Yeah, bullshit. we talked about it the other day, and you're like, haha, that's clearly hilarious. Over legend, like that's what happened. What? But <laughs> yeah. does Peach in Smash Brothers having her down attack pull vegetables out? The well, they've connected them. Canon. Well, I think it's canon, but it's. But, but it's Especially you think about Mario as a thing where you play it. You, the original Mario Bros. You hammer it like you learn every little trick of yeah. it, and then you play the next one over here. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Why am I pressing down to and pick a radish out of the ground? Right. What's, yeah, it's yeah. not just scrolling. What's going on? I'm on the same level. The Legend of Zelda Two is a bad sequel, right? Because <laughs> it's side scrolling. Side scrolling and weird. Game, not top down. Nintendo not Ventura. so good at sequels. It was. They're good at just like doing something completely different. They're good at they're good at going. What if we did a crazy thing? No, oh, no, no, people no, didn't no, like no, it. No, take it back. And now Mario Bros. Three. Yeah, yeah. Mario <laughs> Galaxy Two is is a great sequel. Yeah, furthermore, it's interesting. I think that the sort of risk taking that Nintendo do, and then they sort of refine it after making the mistake. They, they make a huge risk, and then they pick the f- little bits that worked in that, and then they yeah. add it to something that's much more true to and the comparatively because it's like the, the Wii the classics. Classics. Switch. Yeah. Comparatively, very the classic too. Like you got Sega, who don't pick the good bits and are just constantly reinventing, and just keep inventing and picking out shit and slapping together the yeah. shit with new stuff. Yeah, condensed it down now, Nintendo. Though, because if you play Splatoon, that is the exact opposite of doing something weird well, with that true. franchise because they yeah. literally just made more Splatoon. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Put a two at the end. I don't know if it's a bad sequel because they just made more Splatoon. I mean, it'd be a bad sequel in the same way that Destiny 2 is a bad sequel. Why is Splatoon 2 yet. a bad sequel? Because it doesn't do that much different to Splatoon it 1. Depends, well, that, that, I think that comes up well, to no, the taste, though. It depends around. what you wanted out of... The horde mm. crash depends what you wanted out of a Splatoon it. sequel, right? If you're, if you're what I want from Splatoon 2 on the Switch is I want Splatoon 1 but portable, then it's one of the best sequels ever made, right? If we're talking about bad sequels potentially just being it's the same game basically again, then... Yeah, I would understand why someone would be miffed. Mm. Um, but, I mean, like, I mean, if we're getting into it, like, you have to think about the fact that not that many people bought Splatoon because no one bought Wii U's. Fair play. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I would have had more time for them calling it Splatoon... Splatoon Switch or, or something. something. Yeah, 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 back yeah, to the Nintendo cool. thing, I think it's going to be yeah. very interesting to see what the sequel to Breath of the Wild is going to be. Well, we'll find out in about 10 years. We'll find out in about 20 years. Yeah. Um, it'll be a new Zelda yeah it's interesting that it won't be Breath of the Wild sequel but we talked about that in that episode didn't we about how it felt like they'd been refining Zelda for many years and Breath of the Wild felt like a culmination of a lot of 3D Zeldas in one thing I imagine the first meeting of of Nintendo developers where they sat down and they were like we need to talk about the next Zelda game this one's come out it's doing really well what do we do now and they probably all just were just like I have absolutely no idea. And then I just have a lie down. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting with the DLC that's coming out. People are thinking maybe you're going to play as Zelda and it's going to be really different. You're not. Like, you're not. You're playing as Link. Yeah, that, yeah. that's going to. And it's set after the end of Breath of the Wild, which is you know, trying to yeah. avoid spoilers. Is interesting, isn't it? How is that going to work? So, yeah. It's set after the Quite story. Nice. It's a fairly predictable end. And Zelda game. You beat Ganon, right? Right. Yeah. Whoa! 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 whoa. <laughs> The world goes back. You don't to have novel. to. That's the important thing. Is you don't have to beat Ganon. I think just leave them shit. Yeah, but yeah, you don't have to beat Ganon. Yeah. You don't have to beat any dungeons either. No, don't just play it. Just yeah. hang out. Fuck Zelda. Don't even turn a console. <laughs> Uh, don't even get the paralyzer yeah, just, just stay there <laughs> does anyone have a really any of her does anyone DMC have a particularly two. bad Dragon Age 2 oh yeah oh, Dragon God. Age 2 is fucking awful we did touch on that didn't I we? can't we be bothered with the Devil May Cry argument but Dragon Age 2 is fucking awful yeah. I mean it, it was meant to be DLC right 
but mm. with all the kind of personality of the person that made Dark Souls what it is taken out yeah, of it. So it, it has boss fights and it has yeah. difficult boss fights and it has grinding through areas over and over again and it, it has, has all those components assets. and it has reused assets. Um, but it, there's just something missing that's difficult to put your finger on, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't have the same personality that two had. Uh, sorry, that one had, yeah. and then that was actually came back in three, and it's definitely in Bloodborne. Yeah. And that that core element is easy. It's Miyazaki. And yeah. it's, you, it's, you it's can totally tell true. And like yeah. the splashes that you see, especially like the Vendrick moment and all that kind of stuff. The lore of Dark Souls Two is really interesting, and they tell a fantastic story, arguably as good a story as Dark, as Dark Souls Three tells. They just tell it in a bit of a bland way. Just not the same. Because no one on the dev team has the personality and the vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because Namco, Namco Bandai wanted Miyazaki off the project because he's too much of a perfectionist. And it would take too long to get the game out. But I think the way Dark Souls 2 panned out has kind of proved to them, you know, we probably shouldn't make you Dark need, Souls games without yeah. Miyazaki. It's probably where they got him back. So probably need, why we'll never get a Dark Souls. You need that perfectionist instinct to make yeah. it what it is. I think, yeah, yeah totally. I mean, like, That's a good one. But the Vendrick moment is still genuinely incredible. Yeah, but it is also it is also fifty hours into a fairly difficult it's a, game. It's so. like the exception to the rule, sort of thing. Yeah, totally. It? Yeah. It's a it's a shame more than anything because it, it clearly they they nailed that one. They they had the moments in that game, mm. and there's some fucking brilliant boss fights in Dark Souls there Two. Some, some of the best of the great series. Character designs. There's some good stuff in it, but it's, it's not just Dark Souls. Not Dark Souls. Yeah. For me. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about actually oh. is bad sequels that you actually kind of like. Okay. Because I, you, Mike, you mentioned Resident Evil Four. Oh yeah. I quite like Resident Evil Six, even though that is objectively you and subjectively flying your motorbike over the skyscrapers. Yeah. That one. Like, yeah. like it's a terrible game. Resident Evil Four I'm made things a lot hero. more action orientated, and they've mm. kind of built on that with five by just making it even more action oriented yeah. and then six took it that bit too far it's like, like a trashy action I, basically. exactly but yeah. the thing is I like the trashy action I like the Chris stuff which is just Gears of War knockoff right? and so the opening sequence as Leon has you in a helicopter fighting a zombie as yeah. it's scraping down the side of a train and then crashes into a building and then you climb out on title screens and it's like yeah I like the Chris stuff <laughs> The over-the-top action stuff, trashy action movie stuff. I like that, but the problem is that that game's like 30 hours long. you got four yeah. campaigns. Yeah, why? Yeah, I don't know. It's really fun to play co-op. Yeah, that's true. I'll give it that. But, like, but yeah, it's basically the action It's so bad. Is it the so bad it's good sort of thing? No. Applied but, to a game. But is that what There's a point where I was thinking, like, this is a mess. Yeah. And then I got to a boss fight where the villain mutated and became a T-Rex and was backflipping over buses. Yeah, it's like, pretty oh, good. shit, I'm okay with this. That bit's pretty good. And then he becomes a giant fly and you're attacking him on the top of a skyscraper. And then he becomes a gazelle. It's mm. kind of the same. It's not it's just, What the fuck is it, going? It's not too dissimilar from like, the Dark Souls 3 thing. The Dark Souls 2 thing, like, where if they look... Like, there's, there's moments where, like, it's like if you'd committed... It's obviously it's a totally different like emotional yeah, thing. Yeah. But it's like if you've committed to backflipping T Rexes and all that kind of shit, then yeah, fuck it. Yeah. You made a trash action movie, sure, whatever, and then you make seven, and that's great, and everybody completely changes back on track. You get back on track, but you made your stupid trashy action movie. But there's so much else there that's just <laughs> awful. It's a series that lost its way, and it was a game that wasn't worthy of the title. I still don't think it's found its way after seven. <laughs> seven, oh, right, okay. We'll call that there. <laughs> <laughs> I could go all day about okay. how good Resident Evil 7. Okay. Uh, cool. So we're going to call it there. 
thank you all for listening. As a final point, I would just like to say that the worst sequel ever made is Metal Gear Solid 2. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Whoa, 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 also, I'm okay with that because Rising of Vengeance is the best and no one's not a sequel. Okay, no, we can edit that. Uh, okay, that's about everybody. <laughs> Sweet. Um, we didn't do this at the end of the last podcast because it all kind of fell apart. So we make sure you could email us stuff to bleepingsickness at gmail.com. Just email us weird shit. Fuck it, why not? No one's listening. I get bored of work. They so. thought that I was, uh, I thought I was properly ending it. For the second time in this series... At I, I edit this podcast. on Twitter. At bleepsickness on Twitter. Still shitposting, Tom? Not as much. Not as much. Yeah. It was a good. Place. I can get back. I'm about to not have a job again, so I'm sure I'll get back on it. We need yeah. more Sonic on there. <laughs> Sonic 2's good sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic 3's good sequel. And on that note, <laughs> and Knuckles. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.